Happy New Year. And welcome to Talking Race, Faith, and Justice. I am your in-house ranter, Tim Zener Davis. Today's episode, Black Lives and the House Negro. I'm going in. Change is the hardest thing for some of us to do or experience. And that is a drag because the world is constantly changing around us. I am one of those people who believe change most of the time is good. Usually change is the byproduct of progress, meaning that we are evolving in ways that help us prosper as a society. And I'm not talking about material wealth. I'm more thinking social, emotional, intellectual, communally. When there have been shifts in American culture, it has often been on the side of justice. When we think about the labor movement, women's suffrage movement, and of course the civil rights movement that gave way to so many other freedom movements, they brought tectonic change that pushed this country forward in being the land of freedom and opportunity that had for the most part only been true for white wealthy men. But that kind of seismic culture altering change can be and was terrifying to those folks who saw these changes as a threat to the status quo, a threat to their privilege, a threat to their way of life. And as we see from history, They pushed back, most of the time violently, very violently. And yet, change prevailed and justice, even if just a monicum in some cases, won the day. And arguably, we are a better country and citizenry for it. Unfortunately, change is not always rebuffed by those who have the obvious reasons for wanting things to stay as they are. Sometimes even those who will benefit from the change, whose lives will be made less of a struggle, fight to maintain the status quo. Now most of the time, it's out of fear of what's to come. Even if your lot in life has been a history of oppression and and abuse, at least you know this terrain. You know the rules of the road and have settled into and accepted things as they are. Most of the time, change means sacrifice, and sacrifice can be hard and dangerous. Safety is in going along to get along. It's hard to blame folks for wanting to be safe. But what cannot be allowed is when those who have been deprived of freedoms autonomy, and agency take the side of the oppressors using their language, their low expectations, and in some cases, their violence to stymie change that will lead to justice. Now, the black community have several colorful labels we use for those black people who fight on the side of racial injustice and do the bidding of white supremacy. Sellouts, coons, step and fetch it, house negroes, to name a few, and those are the nice ones. 
They reveal the rage we feel when one of our own betrays the struggle for what are usually self-serving reasons that betray their own community as it fights and dies to bring kingdom justice, social justice, racial justice. Now, I say self-serving, but in many cases, as I pointed out earlier, some folks who participate in this kind of community sabotage do it out of fear of losing whatever safety they have acquired by going along to get along. Many black people excoriated Dr. King for rabble-rousing and disturbing the calm that comes with complacency. These folks knew by way of history the blood that would be shed, the lives taken, and the brutality of the racial violence executed by white domestic terrorists. They could not foresee the change being worth it. The flip side, however, of this fear for self-preservation and the safety of one's family and community are those black folks who have staked a claim in white supremacy that has allowed them to prosper materially in most cases. That is to say, they have played their role in the system of white supremacy and have been rewarded by being ordained as different than their black brothers and sisters, whether that be because of the language they use, the culture they embrace, or they have chosen, chosen to indict their own community, we have always had those as well. Most in the community judge these folks to be self-loathing, hating being black, longing for whiteness, even if only in effect. Right now, we have some pretty high-profile figures that land in this camp, and rather than name names, it is more important to talk about why this is harmful rather than letting the discussion be deflected to individuals' behaviors and personalities. Is it okay for people to wear White Lives Matters t-shirts? Of course it is. And White Lives do matter. But what is not okay is to wear such a shirt as a way to undermine the legitimate discussion that based on the historical and present treatment of black people, black lives don't seem to matter as much. White people don't like talking about the history of this country unless it's the yay, aren't we great version. They do not want to wrestle with what has actually made this country great, if it is, which are the struggles that acted as battering rams against the barriers of violence and dehumanization. And why would they, when the sanitized history aligns with the myth of American exceptionalism symbolized by whiteness? The whole of human history touts the achievement of white European accomplishments as they have controlled the information and change has been the bane of their pursuit. The best weapon they have, the best tool at their disposal, is a black person who they can point to who validates their argument that it is not white supremacy and institutional and systemic racism that is the problem, rather that black people themselves are the cause of their own dehumanization 
and racial injustice. White people will galvanize around and make a culture war hero out of any black person willing to parrot the language of oppression. Recently, this type of black anti-blackness has been offered as a form of free thinking by black folks who reject the black community's wokeness and decry our place squarely at the center of anti-racism work and our intolerance of those who would resurrect tried and died strategies to disenfranchise black people, such as black voter suppression laws and more resilient forms of racial terrorism, such as police brutality and the murdering of black men, women, and children. Funny that these black folks and their white allies only see black people as free thinkers when they are being anti-black. As I said before, these clowns are nothing new. They have been with us since the house Negro slave stood bedside of his alien master and spoke the words, What's the matter, boss? We sick? The important question is, how do we handle them? We can't ignore them because they will not just go away. But what we can do is continue to control the narrative. Continue to lift the voices of the Ibrahim Kendi, Nicole Hannah Joneses, the Reverend Dr. William Barber, Dr. Joy DeGruy, and the likes. Leave no space, no vacuum for the vacuous to infiltrate. Let us continue to drown out the voices of skin folk who ain't kin folk. Let us continue to flood the zone with the truth of our struggles and our triumphs. Black people may not be a monolith, but collectively, we know who rocks with and for us. Best believe that. I am for truth no matter who tells you. I'm out.